Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Drive Home Call-In Show here on the Canadian Football Countdown. I'm Ryan Coop on the drive home from work via hands-free technology. Uh, we've got Michael Garrell over at Mission Control uh, monitoring the chat and chiming in with his comments as well. Mike, how are you doing today? Oh, I'm not too bad, not too bad. Uh, just uh, monitoring a couple things at once, uh, such as the life, right? When aren't you? I mean, that it, that's a, an always thing with you, uh, and understandably so. You're a busy guy. Uh, yeah, welcome to the Drive Home Call-In Show. We're live in our Discord community. Uh, we'll take your comments, take your questions in there throughout the show today as well. Uh, and we're going to recap uh, the biggest storylines from Week 8 in the CFL Uh and we're switching this up a little bit from the format from the past couple of weeks because I'm driving home from work and we have limited time available and it depends how long traffic takes. So we may or may not, if we try to go through every game, hit everything, we may be rushed on the last couple of topics. If it's like last week, I end up having to take a 10-minute detour uh, just to uh, get through all the games. So. We're going to start things off with, uh, or we're just going to go major topic by major topic. We might touch on all the teams. We might not, but we'll touch on the biggest things from the week. And Mike, I think we got to start off by talking about Bo Levi Mitchell here uh, and the Hamilton Tiger Cats. They get the win over the Ottawa Red Blacks in this one. Another game that comes right down to the wire between these two teams. But all of the talk of the town is on the final offensive play. Uh, or one of the last offensive plays for the Tie Cats, where Bowie by Mitchell tries the QB sneak to kill time, and is now back on the six-game injured list. Uh, your thoughts on what went down in this game with Bo? Um, I was out of town, but I happened to be watching this game from where I was. Uh, I had a group of people watching with me, and. The first thing that really came out of my mouth was he just really didn't do that, did he? And that was before we figured out that he was hurt. And then somebody else that I was watching with said, he's hurt. And I'm like, uh-oh, um, no need for it. I don't understand it. I don't understand it a few days later. Uh, considering you just got bad from an injury, you're right back to the to the uh, injured list. And a game all things considered, but I thought, you know, may have been Bo's best game. Now he had receivers drop some balls in that, but, but I don't know. He did throw five Well, it, from 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 that standpoint, absolutely. But he started forcing fifth. I just kind of understood it kind of from the standpoint of the passing yard and the, the, the passing yard itself looking pretty good. But five interceptions, maybe not so much, but yeah, it's a big problem the last play call. And regardless of five interceptions or not, uh, you have an opportunity to win that game. I don't know why he just didn't yell down. Um, he allows to fall forward and I mean, everybody in the stadium probably knows that defense did come with some level of aggression um, to try to knock the ball out. Um, 
it just really, really doesn't make an awful lot of sense to me. I don't know about you, Ryan. Well, yeah, I mean, going through the progression of this game early on in this game, Bo actually looked, you know, pretty, pretty good. It seemed like he was playing some of his best ball uh, in years. Uh, and then all of a sudden I checked back later on because I think I was busy at the time of this game as well. And I checked back later on and what the heck, three interceptions, four interceptions, five interceptions in this one. Oh, geez. Like, uh, you know, it seems like Bo's doing better. And then he falls back in the interceptions, which we've seen more of in the recent years in his career. But still, you know, a, a solid game, a solid win for him uh, on his way back from injury, nonetheless, over a key division rival. But then that last play of the game, yeah, I was with you on that one. And I'll play devil's advocate here. You know, we're, we're only talking about this because he got injured, which how many times does a quarterback get that seriously injured on a one-yard QB sneak? Very, very rarely. And there is also the other side of the coin where, uh, let's say he takes the knee and accidentally steps back too far and he's in the end zone and that's two points given up and somehow the Red Blacks return the kick. Or let's say the backup comes in and tries to dive forward and fumbles the ball there. We're going to talk about those being stupid decisions of not leaving the ball in the hands of, of Bo in that case either, right? So I, I can see both sides of the coin to some extent, but at the same time, I hate this. This is worse than the Jeremiah Mazzoli situation to me because both of them are guys I feel like, yeah, you know, they were probably cleared to play and they were ready to play. But at the same time, I wonder where they slightly rushed back a little bit after missing time due to injury. And Mazzoli's injury, I mean, non-contact injury, that's that's a fluke one in its own right. I mean, those happen. Um, but this was one that was completely avoidable. If you would have just put Taylor Powell in there uh, or Kyle Oxley in there to let them dive forward one yard. we When have we ever seen Bo do a QB sneak in his career? Um, probably a couple of times, but I would wager very few. Uh, so it was a bit of an odd situation uh, for Bo to go in there. And yeah, it sucks to see, you know, as, as down as I have been on the guy, still want him to succeed he is still one of the best quarterbacks of the past you know in cfl history and certainly arguably the top one of the past decade and there's no denying that and i will never deny that i think he's been on a slide lately but it doesn't mean i'm not rooting for him to to get back uh to the level that we've seen him play before but and I don't know, another injury now. They say he's going to be back in six weeks uh, once again. And I guess we'll give it another shot with Bo at that point. But uh, I'm I'm hoping he does come back. Because if this is the way his career go, were to go out, for example, with his teammates carrying him off the field after he should have just taken a knee, like what, what worse way is there for him to go out of the game? I don't think there is one. Uh, I mean, uh, well, I guess a more gruesome injury, perhaps, but uh, yeah, tough to see, tough to see this happen. I think it was avoidable, uh, certainly, but I will give the Ticats credit. They got the win. They got another win here. They beat Ottawa twice. That's two key divisional matchups there. They've got the win over Edmonton. They've been winning games that arguably they should have been able to win, and, and that's going to be key because... You know, they've struggled so far this year. So I know FM Fan is in the chat. I know he was ragging on us for always picking against the Ticats. And to be honest, I'll probably continue to do so. But I will give them credit for winning games that they should be winning. Yeah, I just like, to me, even even 
even if Bo doesn't get hurt in this game, my my, my thoughts and opinions on the Ticats don't really change. Uh, I, I still have an awful lot of questions about them. Um, however, I, I, I actually feel that, you know, and I think I may have said this to you or to somebody maybe last, last week on the Drive Home show, uh, I was really surprised that uh, that they didn't uh, go with Powell again just because uh, I know they didn't win the game, but he did a lot of positives uh, in, in that game. And I mean, it may have been Trey that said this, either, you know, publicly or in our private chat, but he felt like they would maybe rush back. Hindsight's 2020. Um, I think mean, the Titans will be okay with Powell. Um, hard to know, but it's it, it's you know you, you 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 do one thing, it works great. If not, like you said, Ryan, it, it goes up in smoke, and uh, you're you're questioning every narrative uh, and every possible. Well, you should have taken a knee. Well, you got the safety, and then they ran it back, right? It's it's a game of what ifs, right? And you know the what ifs even in that bomber Ottawa game, you know if the bombers would have got one first down, the game is over, right? If the bombers would have thrown the ball instead of running it on one second down, there's a lot of what ifs in a football game. What's what what happened has happened, and the Titans will just have to regroup um, from it. And I hate to say this, because I think it, it, it bears needing to be said. I think the Titans have been a better team without Bowl than with them in the lineup. And I don't think that's a stretch to suggest. No, and now we get to see Taylor Powell, presumably, or Kyle Oxley, but he'll probably line up at receiver because he had that big touchdown this week. Uh, or, you know, do a bit of both. Uh, I'm excited to see what Powell can do. Uh, I wonder when Schiltz comes back as well. You know, he's on the six-game list. Maybe he comes back in a couple of weeks uh, there as well. But, uh, yeah, the Ticats, you know, this was a weird one. And don't forget, they only ended up in this situation right on the goal line because didn't they take a a stupid penalty right before that that put them there? So, uh, you know, it was a mix of a handful of things. I give them credit, though. I give, I think it was Casey Sales with the big knockdown on the goal line to stop the Red Blacks, to stop Dustin Crum from completing another comeback. Uh, a huge defensive play, and that's what they need. They need their playmakers to make the plays there. Uh, any comments in the chat? Any additional uh, ones you want to talk about here uh, from this topic before we move on to our next one, Mike? Um, seems to be a lot of discussion about Chris Edwards again, and... Uh... I, untimely penalties. I don't know if you want to go there, but um, it just seems like the player that can't really help himself. Yeah, I don't know if that one was Edwards. I thought it was George Jr., I, I think is his name. Uh, that's at least what they said on the on the broadcast when I was watching it there. So uh, maybe they got it mixed up there. But yeah, you know, costly penalties. We'll get into other teams with costly penalties. Uh, as well, but uh, don't do something stupid because that's going to put your team in jeopardy. It's the easiest way to sum that one up there. Uh, Should we move on to our next topic here, Mike? You want to talk a little bit about what's going on with the Edmonton Elks? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, All of a sudden, 
a offensive specialist in Steven Matadu has been a has been demoted, I guess you could say, as a defensive consultant. Uh Jarius Jackson becomes who's the current quarterback's coach, also adds offensive coordinator to his resume while retaining the title of quarterback's coach. And about a few hours after disappointment, announces that Taylor Cornelius, for the time being coming out of their bye, has been demoted to a third-string position and will handle the running and all the uh, rushing packages. And that Deggie and uh, Trey Ford will battle it out next week coming out of the bye for a uh, spot to start. Uh, in their game, which I actually uh, it is against the Bombers uh, on August the 10th, uh, so they'll have a battle in practice next week to figure out who becomes the number one, I guess, temporarily. Um, so the coaches cap restricting uh, coaching changes uh, to a full scale, but tweets, I guess. Allowed, um, Ryan. I just I'll pose this question to you: Are you surprised that Matthew is still on the staff, and why this defensive shuffling? Like to me, it just makes it a little bit awkward of a guy being demoted. Yet he takes a different job. Yet you're probably thinking, "Well, we have this guy on the coach's cap anyway." We have to pay him anyway, so we may as well have him do something. It, it, it just, it's very weird to me. But the big story, as I said, was uh, Jerry Sutton now becoming OC. Uh, I'm wondering if you have any thoughts, Ryan. Yeah, you know, it's Stephen McAdoo getting uh, flipped over to the defensive side of the ball. I mean, he maybe put him in the running for defensive coordinator of the year because he's uh, been the best in the league at rendering an offense useless. Um, so, you know, uh, he, he knows all about how to make them dormant. Uh, so maybe he can apply some of that knowledge to the defensive side of the ball. I don't know. Or like you said, I think part of this is possibly just that the uh, they have to pay them regardless if they're going to let them go with the coach's cap situation. So, you know, maybe he's just off in the corner. They're giving him a little extra assignment and do, telling him to do his research. And and maybe that will lead to, you know, something coming out of it one day. Uh, but uh, they're just keeping him on staff. I, I, I don't know what he can bring necessarily to the defensive side of the ball. I know he wasn't bringing anything to the offensive side. I'm a Excited for the change here to have Jarius Jackson as the offensive coordinator. I think this was the change that made the absolute most sense uh, here, given their cap constraints. Uh, Interested to see that, uh, you know, my question to you, I guess, Mike, from this is, so Taylor Cornelius is demoted to the third string quarterback now. Chris Jones is still the head coach. We see Trey Ford is now up to number two, possibly number one. It seems like Jones has been so stubborn at giving him another shot or giving him a shot here. But now coming out of the bye week, maybe he has a bit more of a chance. So what's changed? Is Jones just finally realizing that he needs to give him a chance? 
Or was it Stephen McAdoo that was just kept on pushing for Cornelius to start and for Ford to be, you know, not up there in the ranks at quarterback? And now that Jackson's taken over, like I could see this from a bunch of different angles as Jackson, you know, really forcing his hand with Chris Jones and saying, no, we need to we need to make these switches at quarterback. Is Jones coming around to it or was it McAdoo pushing in the opposite direction? I think it's McAdoo. There's no other way you come out this quickly to announce a quarterback change within the hour. Um, especially if you wanted to sit on it during the bye week. It's almost like Jerry Jackson was waiting for his opportunity. And then he would get a kind of a point his quarterback, which isn't Taylor Trenet. It's almost like they couldn't wait to get the news out that there was going to be yet another change uh, at quarterback. Um, for what it's worth, I'm going to make the prediction here. I I fully expect it to be Trey Ford. Uh, I, I think we've seen it. We've seen what Daddy can do. Um, I, I believe that it'll be Trey Ford playing uh, the Bombers, not this week, but next week. I, I'm unsure. And maybe that's just because I've seen them neglect to, to give him his shot so many times this season. But if Jackson's got, you know, an, uh, an emphasis and a, a big voice in the room there, then, then maybe he sees more in, in a guy like Trey Ford there. Um, you know, I, I think these changes, I obviously everybody wishes there were more. I mean, they got shut out for the second time this season. That's only the second time in CFL history. One team's been shut out to another twice. They now have the longest home losing streak in North American pro sports history, I believe. Uh, and like nothing's gone right for the Elks, but a couple of things I feel like have trended in the right direction during this bye week, which they needed to do. And you know, soon I'm I'm thinking, right, it's been probably six games or so as Eugene Lewis coming back. That's a big piece for that offense there as well. You've got a whole week and a half, two weeks to plan out a game plan for a new starting quarterback here. I'm gonna I'm not gonna lie, I'm gonna be pretty tempted to buy into a couple of shares of this this Elks offense coming out of the bye week, uh for in terms of fantasy picks. And it's gonna be scary and it's probably not gonna work out. But at this point in time, I'm a little tempted just because I think there is talent there. And I think the changes could lead to uh, making progress in, in that regard. But they've got the good defense. Their defense has been pretty good. They just haven't had any help from the offense. Offense can do a little bit. You know, maybe the Elks get right back into things. I mean, what are they right now? Three wins out of a playoff spot? Yeah, I believe so. It's, uh, it's two. Yeah, Calgary's two and five. They are out. Saskatchewan is in the third spot right now, and they are three and four. That's that right. I think so. Yeah. Yeah, three straight losses after starting three and one. Um, so man, Edmonton's I think not out of this. Like Edmonton, if they can come out of this bye week full force rallying, they've got those divisional matchups. They've got two key ones with Calgary over the Labor Day over Labor Day in a month or so. Um, I, I, they, they're not out of it, which is crazy to say. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just, to me, I, I mean, I, I don't know how you turn this around. Um, much like the coaching change. I, I just, I just find it pretty difficult to understand and ascertain that there'll be a flip switched and all of a sudden we have a, 
you know, A, and one run in the cards. But that being said, I think there was a year where the Bombers were eight and one or something in the first half and then finished the season like one and nine or something. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it is possible. Um, but there, I think there were signs in that season where, you know, things weren't as if they see as, as they seemed sort of thing. Um, I, I just don't know because you've already lost the, the season series to the Riders, which is an important one. You know, Calgary is an equally important one. Uh, I believe those two have, what is it, two matchups left for sure, maybe a third one. Um, I don't have the schedule in front of me. Um, but I'll tell you what, when the, uh, when, when, when the pressure becomes win, 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 with no margin for error, sure, it's difficult. But if you can't, if you can't get one win, how do we expect a, a little bit of a run? And you know, it just seems to be a little bit here and there. You know, ailing this this football team. Um, well, this is, is going to be a classic textbook example of they're going to stick around in the standings and not be eliminated because. You know, other teams aren't doing so well. And then they're going to win like one or two games down the stretch. And then I'm going to buy full into them and say, this team's going to go on a run and make the playoffs. And then they're going to lose every game after that. It happens every year. I I, I jump on the wagon of the, uh, of the last place teams that suddenly, you know, have a chance at the end. But I'm with you, Mike. I, I, I think, yeah, they're going to pick up a couple more. They're going to pick up a couple of wins yet. I don't think they're going 0-18. Uh, but but I don't know if this team can fully turn things around here yet. Uh, what are people in the chat saying? Any any comments to note? Yeah, that? yeah, it's interesting. Uh, Trey had one comment here. It's it's Edmonton man. Salary caps are the worst. Coaching cap had capped the team way more than the name change. Uh, and then he says, if the CFL threw out all salary caps. Would there really be that great of an advantage? The only team that would probably, the only team that would probably super overpay. Sorry, I'm reading this wrong. I'll start again. If the CFL threw out all salary caps, would there really be that great of an advantage? The only team that would probably super overpay, and then he says is Toronto, and then wouldn't. So, and then the and then. Uh, FM fan also says, hey, don't forget, if the East has more points than third in the West, they can do the crossover. So the next three games are important for Calgary and Saskatchewan. And that's, that's something that I kind of alluded to on multiple, uh, multiple chat uh, platforms after the games this week. Um, that crossover spot, as of right now, is a tie. Yeah, and it's possible, and I don't think that's out of the picture right now, right? Uh, I feel like it's always harder to go with the the East crossover to the West, just with divisional matchups. You know, teams are going to win games, uh, even on the bottom two teams in the West. You know, just based on having an extra team out West, I always find it harder to see that crossover situation. But 
Uh, you know, if the Thai Cats can keep winning the games they they're supposed to win, the the Red Blacks are in every game until the end of it. Montreal seems like they're arguably the one team that's not in the upper echelon of the league that's trying to kind of peek in on it there, uh, etc. So. I don't think that's necessarily out of the picture uh, to have that East crossover. It's a great point. Well, I just think it's really interesting, right? Because um, I think there's going to be a lot of East versus East and a lot of West versus West matchups coming up, um, particularly toward the end of the season. Um, I think in the crossover to West, it's more likely to cross over to the East just because they have two opportunities to do so because of the imbalance within the divisions at the moment. Um, but it's not like anybody, and I and I exclude the Argos out of this scenario, because while they're, they're well on their way to, to, to winning this division prior to Labor Day, would probably be my guess. Um, but between those other three teams, I could realistically see a scenario where the head-to-heads between the three remaining teams um, potentially get split, you know, two to one or one to two, you know, one way or another, which opens the door for the crossover. But geez, there's a couple of Western teams, and I'm looking at the riders here, but you know, really kind of need to get going. Um, you know, they lost to Toronto, granted, you know, there was a a garbage time touchdown by Jay Doladala, but you know, some of these bottom teams, like somebody needs to get hot, you know, win a couple of games and get in. And and that's where, Ryan, I'm not even all the noise coming out of Calgary, I'm not willing to write them off just yet for that third um for that third spot in the West. I think they've been more consistent uh, than certain other teams. I think they have a quarterback at health for Saskatchewan doesn't. And, and I think the East and the East, the East versus East matchups uh, could slow down the train for an Eastern crossover. But I, I just don't think the Calgary done at two and five. I, I think you're hard pressed. I think there's way too much pride in that room. Um, is it possible? Sure. Is it likely? I'm not sure either. The only thing for Calgary, right, is their schedule coming up is brutal. I think they play Toronto in there twice, Winnipeg once, and BC once uh, up until Labor Day. So, yeah, they're two and five now, but then what does that what does that record look like by then? Uh, certainly, probably, you know, if trends continue, doesn't look anything like a Calgary record we're used to seeing there. Um, you know, on that East crossover side of things, the big key there is the East team's been winning those games over the West division that they don't normally win. Uh, right. I think it plays, a, plays a bit early in the season, plays a big role into that. Kind of brings me into this next quick topic. I'm interested to know, like, if you were to rank the teams like power ranking style, but maybe into tiers, because I don't know if I can pick a difference, say, between four or five teams in the middle here. But to me, I was thinking about this after this week's games. Like the CFL is a league where anything can happen and anything will happen. And I know you and I were talking about this 
that despite what I'm about to say, it's probably going to be two teams with 500 records ending up in the Grey Cup or something like that. But to me, like, it's BC and it's Toronto, and it's probably in the inverse order. Toronto and BC, and it's not even close right now. Like, those are the top two teams in the CFL. I'd put Winnipeg and Montreal both in the next tier of teams of, like, they're playing good football, but they're also making a lot of mistakes. And if those, you know, they're going to lose their share of football games from making those mistakes. And then I'd put, you know, a mix match. And I don't know how I'd rank them in there of Hamilton, Ottawa, Calgary, and Saskatchewan of, of these teams that, you know, have been underperforming. And then obviously Edmonton at the end. Uh, that's kind of how I see the breakdown of the league right now. And I'm having a really hard time through eight weeks of the season, just based on the way some of these teams have played, seeing anything but a BC Toronto final right now. And I know it's probably not going to happen because, again, one game in the playoffs. But to me, those teams have just been far and away better than everybody else in the CFL. Yeah, I, I would agree with that to an extent, but I want to see. Um, I, I would r- much rather Ryan have that discussion next week after this week's Winnipeg and uh, BC game. However, um, that's not to diminish anything that BC's done in the past. And and I know Ryan, but you sent me some some statistics. Um, I don't know if you have them in front of you or if you want me to bring them up. Um, yeah, well, we'll get into Well, let's talk about BC here in a second with those statistics. Yeah. But anything yeah, else? So, on- so I, I, I guess what I'm trying to say as far as tiers, I'm not sure if that Winnipeg-BC game is a one-off for Winnipeg or if that's a trend. You know what I mean? And then, so is it a two-tier upper part or is Winnipeg kind of trying to nudge that upper tier that's what I've been trying to figure out you know Ottawa lost aside uh which was pretty damaging um as far as you know now you're game back uh versus the game tied in that whole type of scenario but I would concur right now that it's BC Toronto 1-2 Winnipeg Montreal, Winnipeg, I don't know who in this third tier or the second tier, I guess. And then bottom tier would kind of be like you said, those four or five teams and then Edmonton on the very bottom. Um, you know, it, it's it's something you said. I mean, the quality of play, I think you said something to this variation. Uh, the quality of play minus the top two teams right now, um, really, really concerning through uh, eight weeks. I, I saw a comment just pop up uh, here uh, from Trey about the Bombers being six-point favorites against BC on Thursday night. Shocking to me, but also not at the same time because Dane Evans is going to start again because BC's coming off of a shorter week uh, and... Uh, the Bombers have been on a bye. That's the only thing I can think of for why it's trended in that direction. Uh, we'll get into that, obviously, more when we preview the game on Wednesday night. But, Mike, we've got about five to ten minutes left here, I want to say. Uh, I want to talk about BC. Uh, yep. Because this team has 
far outperformed what I expected of them this year. You know, I was I was a little bit down on the Lions on some of their offseason moves. I think I ranked them fourth in the West Division coming into the year. And that was because of things like letting James Butler go at running back and huge question marks there. They ended up having to trade Jordan Williams, uh, their their prized middle linebacker, over to the Argos because he wanted to be closer to home. Um, what else was there preseason? They let Sean Lemon go after signing him. I thought that was a mistake. They then bring Jonathan Kongbo in, but he's got uh, issues in the locker room. So they uh, they end up, uh, you know, shipping him off to Hamilton. Uh, there was an issue in the offseason where Dominic Rimes asked for a trade because they didn't think he was being paid fairly and they end up redoing his contract. Like there seemed like so many distractions preseason for this team that has just gelled in all ways possible so far. So I got to give credit to the Lions here and especially on the defensive side of the ball because they're performing so much better than I expected them to. And I don't know if you want to pull up those stats I sent you now, Mike. Whoops. Yeah, it's interesting because um, BC has been good, but is it really that much of a surprise? Because because you remember the BC Lions started last year eight and one or seven and one under under Nathan Wood before falling off. Um, you know, a, a little bit around the time of when he got hurt and not having a suitable backup. Um, is that Mitigated this year because they have a, a an established backup in Dana. So, like, I don't know if I feel the same way you do about being surprised about BC. Um, but but it's interesting to note that I think their defense for me has been a surprise. Yeah, their defense is on. I'm pretty sure I read this week record breaking pace for points allowed in a game. Yeah, yeah, I, I, somewhere around thirteen and a half points a game, um, ish. Yeah, right now thirteen and a half points a game. They're allowing um, seven points less than the next best in the CFL, which is Toronto. They've given up five offensive touchdowns in seven games so far this year. Like, uh. You know, I thought they had some holes on the defensive line, maybe a little bit at linebacker also coming into this year. Uh, so I expected that, you know, if anything, their offense was going to be good this year. They had a lot of pieces there, but they've also managed to power through, you know, so many issues, so many injury issues on offense. Also, like with VA being down now for a couple of weeks, you know, Dom Rimes has missed some games. Lucky Whitehead has missed some games. Keon Hatcher missed some time there. And they're getting different guys step up. I mean, you look at guys like Justin McInnes has stepped up big in that wide receiver role. Alexander Hollins has been one of the top receivers in the league. Juan uh, Mazel, huge game for him this week at running back. You know, they've they've got production from guys that uh, have had to step up into those roles. So, uh, yeah, I'm big on what everything BC has done so far this year. They're one loss on the year, I believe, is to the Toronto Argonauts, who are undefeated. So, big test this week against the Bombers once again, of course, because I think they are that third-best team in the CFL. And we'll see what they can do. for. Uh, and we'll talk more about that matchup a little bit on Thursday night. But, uh, yeah, anything else you want to say on the Lions or anything else anybody's got in the chat? Yeah, uh, one thing I will say 
Matthew Beth is an absolute freak show. Um, it's unbelievable. Um, that that D line is it is terrorizing, and it, it's led by him. And you know, a dive that everybody's kind of known about for years. Um, but boy, oh boy, he's taking his game to a whole new level. Um, he reminds this BC Lions D line. Reminded me so much like that bomber D line a few years ago, and uh, maybe better. Um, but but I think if you can find a way to crack this defense a little bit, you'll give yourself a chance. The question is, will they allow themselves to do that? Because um, I I think the bombers defensively were on were on quite a similar pace maybe last year or the year before. I think it might have been the year before. Uh, I don't believe it was last year. Um, but, again, hey, it just goes to show that, you know, people think that the CFL is such an offensive lead. Man, if you didn't have a championship caliber defense, you're going to go far, too. And I, I think people are sleeping just how good, you know, defenses can be in this league, in, in a league that's typically a lot of offense. Um, and, we're all, sure. and we're all fools for letting Adam get uh, the BC defense in our uh, draft league uh, this year. But I have the Argos, who are doing pretty good as well. Uh, so I'll take that. Uh, uh, you know, we got to wrap things up here right away, Mike. Uh, any final quick thoughts for you uh, from week eight? Um, no, not really, to be honest. Uh, you, you know, I was just. You know, looking back on the week for was, it was nothing really, really surprised me. Uh, in all honesty, um, maybe the adult offense having a little bit of a struggle. Uh, that was interesting, but their defense uh, was able to pick them up a little bit. And uh, I mean, that's what sort of weaponizes, if you will, even better the Toronto Argonauts when you can have your quarterback you know, throw for less than 200 yards and still have an output that you had. Uh, finding a way, a way to win multiple different ways, right? And I know for me, I slept on the Argos up until very recently. Um, I, I really didn't like what they had, you know, last year. Um, but again, they win the Great Cup and... All of a sudden, they move out. Uh, McLeod Bethel Thompson move in Chad Kelly. And, well, that's a train that's about to run away from the station. So, yeah, no, that, that was really the, the kind of thing that uh, got my attention last week, um, more so than anything. Yeah, low-scoring week all around. I mean, in fantasy, you had, I think, three players score more than 20 points this week. Uh, and it was very low-scoring across the board there as well. Well, that does it uh, for our uh, drive home call in show for this week. Re- week eight recap in the CFL. Uh, Mike, thanks for joining me on the drive home. As always, thanks to everybody who joined us in the chat and all the great comments we got along the way. Also, we will be back again for this next Tuesday again, and we'll be back here Wednesday night, uh, 10.30 p.m. Eastern time. That will be live on our YouTube channel. Uh, as we preview week number nine in the CFL, we'll take a look at storylines, fantasy uh, players to watch, 
the betting odds and all that fun stuff as well. So make sure you tune into that as well. Check out the podcast on social media at CF Countdown Pod on Twitter, Facebook.com slash CF Countdown Pod there as well. Mike's at Mike Garrell. I'm at Cooper Trooper 42. Uh, Trey is at Trey Harness Link. Adam's at Adam Stewart One. Uh, make sure you check them out on social media as well. Uh, Mike, have a wonderful day. Everybody else, have a wonderful day as well. Thanks for listening. Take care. Have a good one. Bye. <laughs>